0: This is the Unnamed Financial Podcast, a crash course in financial literacy. If you feel left out of the markets, join me, Matt Gregory, and stock market expert, Peter Raschuti from Tulane University, as we navigate the basics of Wall Street.
1: You know, teaching people about stocks is like, uh, you know, uh, allowing them to sample beer, and then options is like, like crack
0: on this week's episode what are options and this week in the market the dow jones goes for a wild ride while the nasdaq takes a dive all right let's get to it joining us as always peter risciuti down in new orleans our stock market expert good to see you peter good to see you matt so let's get to the subject that really came to my attention during the gamestop craze which is option buying what is option buying
1: it's um first of all we're we're now heading down a very risky road (laughs) where we started out talking about stocks which seemed pretty normal and now we're we're Mm -hmm. continuing to move one of the things you need to know about options is they have nothing to do with the company when you buy stock in a company you actually own a small percentage of it and you it it goes up and down with uh you know, with what happens to the company, this is totally a side bet. This is a casino over to the side. It has nothing to do with the company. It has no effect. The company doesn't really need to know about it. But let's take a look at a good example. I guess an analogy in here. Um, this will be a good analogy for options. And then I think it'll be easy to figure out how it translates to stock. Let's say you um, you saw a house somewhere and it was four hundred thousand dollars and it was perfect and you really loved it, but you were working on a deal that you thought might make you a, a bunch of money and you really wouldn't know for the next three months if that deal was going to go through. And if you, if it did go through, you would have enough money to get the down payment and buy this house. So the problem is, you know, this is such a great house that it's actually gonna, it's gonna, it's on the market. It'll be gone. It'll be gone in a week or so. Somebody else will buy it. So you say to yourself, well, I don't know if I'm going to get that money in three months, but I might. But I'd really like to lock in that price and guarantee I can get that home. So you go to the buyer, and you just cut a deal with them. And you say, listen, if you take that house off the market for three months, I will give you $3,000. And if I uh, walk away at the end and don't buy it, you're $3,000 richer and can still go sell the house. If I do get the money, I will turn around and buy that house for for." dollars um, for the $300,000 it's worth, and you get to keep the $3,000. So you made, in fact, $303,000 on this. But I was able to control the price, lock it in for a set period of time, and that was worth it to me. It was totally worth it to me because I really wanted that house and I knew it was gonna be gone. It's the same thing in stocks. What you get is something called a contract. A contract will give you the right, and here's the important part, but not the obligation, to buy, the, buy 100 shares of that company at a certain price. And it'll last as long as the option lasts. And some options have a couple of weeks in them. Some of them can go out to nine months. And that's what goes on in here. And so you, with this option, you get tremendous, tremendous leverage. Like uh, you don't have to pay. Let's say you wanted a, a 100 shares of Nucor Steel for some reason. It says 60. Uh, if you wanted to buy that, that would cost you $6,000. But if you just wanted to play the fact that this thing was going to move up, you could probably get that option for about $300. And then you could lock in that price of 60 And if the stock goes up, that option to buy at 60 is going to go up. It's going to, let's say the stock's currently $60 a share. Well, if you paid a couple of hundred dollars for that contract and now the stock goes up to 70 well that contract is now worth at least 10 or a thousand dollars so you tripled your money and the stock only went up oh about 15 percent so you get this tremendous tremendous leverage but most people at buy options lose because the stock never does what you're hoping it'll do and you just give up the the amount of money that you spent on the option and it just goes away, just disappears.
0: So walking through this gingerly, um, what you're, you're basically making a bet on something, and you're so you're saying that if I were to buy a stock, let's say the option would be for sixty dollars a share. It's currently at fifty dollars a share, or is that how it works? Yeah, let's, let's
1: make it easier. And let's say um, uh, the stock's at sixty, and you've got the right to buy it at sixty. And uh, okay. if the stock price goes up, uh, that that call option that that ability to buy the stock still at 60 goes up dramatically so you might so you pay still paying four. 60 yeah so let's say it goes to 70 well that contract that you bought for a couple of hundred bucks is now worth at least 10. it's so you bought of the two and now is it worth at least 10 so you get so much leverage if you're playing a stock to go up by buying the option your rate of return if you're right is multiples and multiples the time the return you would get if you bought the stock now the difference is is when you buy stock you can own it forever but if you buy an option it's there's a time limit to it so in some ways you might think about it if you buy stock um you're just hoping the stock goes up if you buy an option you're hoping the stock goes up right away and that's uh, and that's a difference and um it is uh, it's fact it's it's funny i sometimes stay in class that stock is like uh, you know, teaching people about stocks is like, uh, you know, uh, allowing them to sample beer. And then options is like, like crack. That would be the, uh, the uh, it's, and, and once, you, once you've gone, this sounds terrible, but once you've gone into options, everything else seems incredibly boring. And so when you had GameStop, if you can just picture this, you had two wild things going on. You had this incredibly volatile stock and then you said well that's not en- <laughs> that's not enough volatility you know to just buy the stock what else do you got and it's like well we have options and that is where the huge money was made
0: so when people talk about options though cuz i do want to temper everything it sounds great because in our minds when we're thinking about our strategies as humans we're like well if i do option buying i can only win but as you pointed out i mean it does how often would you say when you were doing looking at this or examining it do you does it, the stock actually do what you expect it to do?
1: I've heard that 80% of all options expire worthless. Hmm. So, and when you think about it, uh, that's where people make another mistake is they say, well, um, I can only win, I can't lose. Well, it's not really true. You lost that option you bought. You paid $300 for whatever. And people say, well, it's only $300. But the way you play this game, the way it's measured is in percentage terms. So it's not, I only lost $300. It's like, oh, I was pretty good. I only lost 100% of my investment. And that's really what you, And that's the part people get wrong. You never hear big money managers talking about, you know, we're, we're down a 1,000 or up, up 6,000. It's like we lost 62%. We made 150%. And that's the way people need to look at their investments. So, uh, But it's uh, if you have... By the way, the one we just explained... Uh, let's just see what happens now. You get two scenarios with that house. One is um, you, the money doesn't come in. You don't get that big deal and you really can't afford the house and you just walk away from the option. So all it cost you to hold on to that price for a set, a set period of time was the amount you bought the option for, that deal you okay. made with the buyer. And if it does work out, it could work out big time. Let's say it just you do get the money and now you get the asset you wanted. You got that house and it only cost you... A few dollars to um, to to set up that contract to make it work for you, and something great could happen. Like, you know, you've got the ability to buy that house at I think we said three hundred thousand dollars. You put you buy an option, and maybe between now when that option expires, something amazing happens. Like that that little beach town that you're looking at gets written up in Travel and Leisure as the most wonderful little place in the world, and all of a sudden, real estate there doubles. So you've still got the ability to buy it at 300,000, but now maybe it's worth 600,000. You've locked mm-hmm. in the price with that with that deal with the, the owner.
0: So you're getting it for $300,000, but it's worth 600,000 is right. what you're saying. Yeah, awesome.
1: so, okay. uh, and that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for when you buy an option, uh, I think you immediately become incredibly religious because now you really have to pray that this thing moves up very, very quickly. And, um, and by the way, one thing about the options market is um, that where, we, where we just explained with the house, you know, it was, it was an asset and you got the ability to buy it and such. The truth of the matter about the options market is that you can sell that option. You don't have to wait till expiration and, and get the actual shares. That's not what you want to do at all. That option price will move up and down with the stock price. And all you're going to do is sell that option. Let's say you bought it at 300 and the stock goes up and the option goes up to $500. you are just going to sell that option and make the profit. You're not going to be—that option will trade hands. If you have a, a six-month option, that, that option will trade hands a thousand times before it actually comes to expiration.
0: Why—this is maybe a question— that I don't know. I don't know where this would come from. But why? Why does this exist as something that can be done on the stock market?
1: It's. Um, it. I actually believe that. Uh, first of all, there's no one. There's no exchange. There's no. Uh, the security's made up. It really is just. It's mm-hmm. just two people in the in the beginning, uh, making this agreement with themselves. And I think the other thing is companies agree to have options traded in their stock to get the lunatics out of the actual stock. Mm. You know, it's like, if these people really yes. want to do this, why don't you go to a field somewhere and just do this and leave us alone instead <laughs> of moving the stock price up and down? So, so, um,
0: so along the lines of that, um, just, it's very fascinating to me because I wasn't aware of this until the GameStop uh, story happened. And when I look at options buying now, I'm like, well, this is cl- clearly a creature of the market created for it you know, some reason, which apparently it, who can really tell what happens as far as like, when, when, when do we often see this playing into it? I mean, we saw a GameStop, but other than that, is there any other time that we saw options buying, be, having a big impact on the market oh, or yeah. on a stock?
1: You can tell um, you can actually tell if an event is coming up by all the, uh, all the volume, all the trading in an option, because, you know, people, let's say a company is going into the FDA to get like a their covid drug approved well you know it's in a, first of all it's going to be determined in a short period of time they've announced let's say we're making this up on april 15th they will determine whether they're going to accept it or not well you would you would buy those options those call options if you really thought that was going to go through if you thought the approval cuz if that if that approval went through well maybe the stock goes from 30 to 100 and that you want to ju- you don't really want to buy the stock at 30 and all and put all that money out but you just want to to be able to play the 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 movement and that's what would happen you see the other th- another place should see that is a an oil company that's a small oil company and they've drilled a well somewhere and uh, in a few weeks they'll know if they if they found oil or you know maybe just found a quart of doctor pepper or something in that well or something so <laughs> big big announcements is where you see this kind of thing, and that's why GameStop was perfect. It was, um, you, you You only buy options in stocks when you, where they have enormous amounts of volatility. That's what you do. Now, there's some very sophisticated things that we won't talk about here, where you can yeah. use options to help hedge your bet, uh, eliminate risk of owning the stock by selling an option, things like that. But the, the pure thing we're talking about are call options. Now, I will bring up that if you buy a call option, this is easy to think of, call option, You're bullish. You think that stock is going to go up. But you can buy options called a put option when you're bearish. And that, think of it, a call option gives you the right but not the obligation to buy a stock at a certain price between now and when the option expires. A put option allows you, gives you the the right but not the obligation to make somebody buy the stock from you at a certain price. So if you thought, if you sold the 60 put options, that meant that you've got somebody on the other side that is willing to buy the stock from you at 60 bucks. Well, if it's down to 40, you get to have somebody pay you $60 for something that's worth 40. And effectively Hmm. what you do is, it's really options just trading, but you would go ahead and buy the stock at 40, sell it to this guy at 60 and make the difference. So you can play it either way. So uh, it's pretty amazing. You know, when I teach this in class, you can see there's 25% of the class their eyes glass over, and they hope it isn't on the final. And then the I don't and then is an another group where you just think you've handed them a stick of dynamite. It is um, and <laughs> <laughs> they're no longer interested in bonds. They're no longer interested in stocks, mutual fund. You've got to be kidding me. And um, and they and they get in and you know a lot of times they most of the time they lose the money. It's just um, And once you get on there, and that's the thing. I can't tell you, Matt, how I'm so torn by what's happened in the market. Not only is the market very expensive, but these GameStops and these others have created all this new interest in investments. And I think that's so wonderful. But it's created interest in the lunatic fringe of the market. And I Mm -hmm. just don't know. When you hear people... You know, you hear people go, oh, I was once in the stock market. It was, uh, I lost my shirt. That's a bad place to be in a Boston accent. That would help that. But it's, uh, they, <laughs> you know, you know what they did. They bought a tip. They got convinced to go into these derivative products like an option and such. Nobody that says that ever bought a good quality company and stuck with it. Because everybody's tempted by the, the, uh, the, the greed factor. You know, getting rich slowly just isn't sexy it's hard no. to meet girls with just telling me you got a strategy to make to make money slowly it, it's these um you know the riverboat gambler kind of thing and i think you know with particularly with young males um you know matt let's admit it we're just we're both male we'll go ahead and do the mm-hmm. frontal lobe develops so late in life that i think you're vulnerable
0: i really d- yeah, the frontal lobe develops at 25 right right and you're and in most there, people join an investment bank at 22 yes so what does that tell you <laughs>
1: <laughs> they ought to do things for males, particularly for males, that just like you can't drink until you're 21, you can't trade options till you're 30. Something like that. When you <laughs> when you finally put things together for yourself. And um, uh, we used to do something at the brokerage firm that just shows you how stupid. We we're all young guys when I was in the investment business the first couple of years. And there would be an option that was going to expire that day. And the stock was very volatile. And it wasn't as... You're expecting me to say, and some of us would buy the option, even though there only a day left, and hope that the stock pops up like that. We were so poor, we didn't even do that. All the young guys got together and pooled their money to buy one option and hope for a miracle. And it, I'm trying to think how often that worked out. Oh, yeah, none. Never. That's what no. it and, um But that's, you just can't stop yourself from what, you know, what the possibilities are. And, um, but it, by the way, options were only invented in the 1970s. In fact. Oh, this is relatively new. Relatively new. In fact, I I know this sounds uh, braggadocious or something, but I play baseball every Saturday morning with these really old guys. The average age is like 75. It's amazing. Everybody's walking around and nobody ever dies by the way. They just get parts replaced, which is really cool. But, um, one of the guys on my team was one of the three guys that basically invented options. So I'm always, yeah. So I'm always asking questions about it and that. You know, it's just the way everything starts in the very beginning. Nobody wanted to touch it. They thought, you know, who are these people? Is anybody going to be on the other side of the trade? Does anyone want to sell a call option for somebody that wants to buy a call? And it just became, in fact, in many ways, it's bigger than the actual stock market. Yeah. I was
0: going to say, it's interesting in that, like, this is a very complex thing that we just walked through for 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, how it works, what goes on. And yet it's on like Robin hood trading apps as though you're just like text messaging,
1: right? You need, and most of the people that are trading these options, uh, really only know about the upside because they think of that downside as limited to the amount of money you put it, you put up, but, and it is, but you know, it's still losing all your money. And, uh, I mean, if you started to think about the ultimate scenario, it would be Robin Hood on your phone options. That would be the the scariest thing you could come up with, and uh, and yet there's people walking around sidewalks doing it as we speak, and uh, so it's uh, <laughs> and it really is. I mean, the excitement of trading options is just beyond what um, any other investment uh, gives you. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm afraid that we've got all these people interested in the markets now and they all blow themselves up and it becomes, there's a whole generation wiped out that no longer is interested in the fact that stocks on average produce a 10% rate of return. It's like, uh, you know, for instance, I'll give you an example. My, my my parents grew up in the Depression when all the money in the banks, you know, went you know was never got the money back and the stock market crashed. And let's just say we did not have a lot of Chicken dinners discussing the stock market. It was um, it was <laughs> never brought up again. And I, I that's what that's what I fear. That's what I fear is that it's uh, it's it's something like that. But um, but I don't know. I, I think um, I think options. Everybody that's trading options right now knows a little bit about them. And I think that's mm-hmm. it. Nobody. And then now there's all these videos, which you really can learn. I mean, we're gonna we chat a little bit today. and We're having a good time but there are videos online that really go through it and then these you know these people that hold workshops around the country to show you how to options trade and I, it's frightening it really it yeah. really
0: is. it seems like it all, I just it, all I had learned about it was from GameStop and then I was, this was something that I was completely ignorant of in the marketplace and yet if you went to Reddit, you could see people were blowing up about it and asking for tips on which to call option next, what to do. And I was like, oh my. And these people probably have the same acumen I started the day with, but eventually you get it and you start to figure it out. Um, once again, I looked around today, just tooled around on Fidelity, and I couldn't find the call options or the put options on there. And I thought, maybe that's for the best. <laughs> <I did> <laughs>
1: It's not the best for fidelity. They really want you to be trading, but it's uh But you're you're absolutely right. Maybe they should hide this hide this stuff. But, um, but it serves a purpose and it allows people to to get. You know, I was thinking the other day, Matt, because I enjoy our talks so much. I was just thinking of the purpose of actually having stock. You go back a level is uh, first of all, it helps fund companies. They issue stock, mm-hmm. they get the money, and they can expand the company. Now, after that, it's just a gambling arena there's the stock is sold between others it has nothing to do with the company but think about if we didn't have stock like what if you thought what if you thought for instance that um oh that uh, uh sporting goods stores were going to be the great place to be over the next 10 years and you said i and if there weren't any stock to buy you would say the only way to play that would be uh well, i guess i'll have to open my own chain of sporting goods stores i guess i could borrow a billion dollars and get it going i could participate in the increase (laughs) that way so it so stocks do give you this amazing way to to participate in in industries and trends that um, you couldn't in any other way and then of course now we move over to options and uh, it uh, moves up to another level but um yeah so i think if you could just understand um, that a call option is gives you the right but not the obligation to buy a stock at a certain price between here and a certain date, and a put option gives you the right to make somebody buy it from you, uh, at, at, between here and a certain uh, certain date. And it's that little line I put in it, Matt, that really makes all the difference. Is you've got the right, but not the obligation, and that's that's the thing. Now, if you sell options, all of a sudden you are obligated. If you sell options, mm-hmm. you now have the situation, like we talked in short selling, where you have limited gain potential, the money you took in, and unlimited loss potential. So here's the, way, here's the best way to look at it. If you went to Fidelity and you open an account, they would ask you a lot of questions about your sophistication, how much money you have, and then they would ask you about options. And you would need a little bit more sophistication to allow them to, uh, to let you trade options. But there's two levels to that. If you said you were only going to buy call-and-put options, you probably could. They would probably allow you to do that with a little bit of sophistication. But if you said you were going to sell call or put options, that's where you have the limited gain potential and the unlimited loss potential. You would have to show some business school degree or <laughs> or a giant bank account or something. I don't. I'm only kidding about it. But they would want a yeah. lot more uh, money and a lot more sophistication because you could really blow yourself up like that. And um, but we'll. Um, We'll have to see, Matt, this is a, by the time we get all these together, we will be able to have our own little video game, a video workshop is a- I know, right? There's a, and you could we can bring people out on the street that go like, that's right, I didn't know anything till I met Matt and Pete, you know? And
0: And one syllable names are so perfect for that. (laughs) Matt and Pete. (laughs) They're great singers and then they taught me about options. what do you say uh we take a look now what happened this week in the market what was something you noticed something you saw any trends what were you looking at
1: boy it's funny we take a look at the last week in the market it makes you want to think about options because you had (laughs) stocks let's take Tesla for for instance you had it dropping 100 points in a day going up 100 points in a day just crazy crazy ideas and um and you know, really, uh, if you had the stock, that would have been a wild ride, but if you had the options and you were on the right side, you know, you'd know, you be in seventh heaven somewhere. But why was the market moving like this? Well, one of the things they're very excited about is this stimulus plan. And uh, that's gonna put a lot of money in a lot of people's pockets. One of the things Wall Street sees here that they didn't see in the tax cut of 2017, which also helped the market, but the tax cut of 2017 went to the wealthiest Americans and corporations. So it did a lot to move stock prices, but frankly didn't do anything for the economy and anything for regular people. But this time, this stimulus package is completely driven towards uh, the unemployed, uh, uh, minorities that have been disadvantaged, uh, the the lower middle class, the middle class. That's where this money is being directed. And And Wall Street's smart enough to realize something, is that if you help out, people in the lower middle class, the middle class, these other ends, they will spend every penny that you give them, because they need it, as simple as that, and when, so that has a huge impact on the economy, much more than giving a break to the wealthy. The wealthy, I mean, if you already own six cars, do you really need a seventh? You know, you're probably going to be all right without a. you have to expand the garage, you've got real problems there, it's a, but... <laughs> but if you give it to the middle class they will spend it and of course one of the things that people don't get is if if you could say oh if i'm the rich i don't think that's a very good that's not going to help me that's completely wrong you need those middle class people to be spending money to buy your products to increase your profits it's what we've done here is we've taken a major shift from supply side economics which always had the term trickle down which Sounded gross, anyway, but um, the, the <laughs> idea, But regardless of that, it's, um, you know, I had problems with it, for even that weren't economic. But um, you know, the idea that we'd give all this money to the rich and little by little, some of it would go to the, the lower and the middle class, um, they, that really didn't work because of one thing that you learn in economics, I think it's in the first chapter, is um, uh, demand uh, creates supply. Supply doesn't create demand. It's not like you're gonna go build a distribution facility uh, and just wait for uh, people to need those products. No, it's gonna be demand driven and then they're gonna go out and say, geez, we'll get, we need to make more inventory. We're, um, uh, things are really moving. And so for 40 years, we've been doing uh, the supply side economics, which was okay, but it, it stifled the growth of the country and the economy. And now we're completely turning it on its head and Wall Street sees what it's going to mean, and they're very excited about it.
0: I was going to ask you one of the things that I noticed one of the days. I don't remember which day last week, but you saw the Dow go up above 30000 but you saw the NASDAQ plummet. Why would the two go in inverse directions?
1: Boy, Matt, you are the best question to ask her. I don't know if that's a word, but ask her. You're the the people. Because if we look at it, the— That's what they pay me the little bucks for. (laughs) The exchanges— are very different from one another and that's something investors ought to know like the the Dow Jones Industrial Average is a measure of 30 stocks just 30 stocks that's all all it's in there. So very very narrow and they they change it from time to time but they're uh, basically older stronger companies to be in the Dow 30 is like a great honor as such um the S&P 500 looks at 500 stocks so immediately you think well this is better at least we're looking at a broader group of companies. Um, the problem is the S and P, great idea, but the S and P 500 uh, is what they call a market cap uh, market cap index, and what that means is companies are in there according to their market capitalization. Like a company like Apple is worth trillions and trillions of dollars. Market capitalization means the number of shares outstanding times the stock price. That's what the company's worth. And um, so what had happened here is that we have 500 stocks, sounds like a good idea, but nobody ever thought this would happen, which is about seven companies, seven stocks, control more than 25% of the index. You've got Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, Tesla, Microsoft, and that's it. And so if you're like mm-hmm. number 500 and that stock has a great day, it'll never show up. It'll never move the needle. So The uh, S&P now moves entirely on those tech stocks. You move over to the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ really is all those tech stocks. So you can tell how the market's going. Like, for instance, on a day like you just talked about, uh, if the Dow was doing pretty well, the S&P was doing not as well, you would probably see the NASDAQ having a terrible day because it's affecting those other indexes, but not purely. So the NASDAQ really is for all practical purposes, just tech stocks, just big tech stocks. And that's what you'd you'd be betting on in here. And uh, there's something by the way called, this is a little sophisticated, but I think people ought to know about it. Because of the problem we just discussed, the S&P has come up with a new thing called the S&P Equal Weighted. And the ticker symbol on it is S-P-X-E-W. And that's what people ought to look at because what they did there is they said, oh my Lord, what have we created? We we created an index of 500 stocks, but seven of them totally control the thing. So they they did a thing where instead of being weighted by how big the market capitalization was, they're all equal weighted. So a one percent move in Apple is going to be the same as a one percent move in Dick's Sporting Goods is going to, is going to have on the uh, on the index on the uh, markets. So um, it's there's a lot of cool stuff going on. But what we've seen you uh, going back to your original question, Matt is. What's going on now is the idea is, are we gonna have inflation, which would bring higher interest rates, or are we not? So we've seen interest rates go up since the beginning of the year, but people saying, is that gonna be it? Or is there more inflation down the... And what happens, this is very, very interesting, Matt. Uh, Generally, higher interest rates kill stocks because a couple of things. One is, stocks look more attractive, money leaves the stock market and runs over to the bond market. But here's the big thing that's setting, setting itself up here growth stocks like you know apple and you know and all these companies we just mentioned facebook and all that they are more susceptible to higher interest rates than our value stocks the companies that have been around a long time and pay a dividend and the reason is with those growth stocks you're not going to get dividends and things like that for the most part right now you're betting on the come you're betting that five ten years from now that co- company is going to be amazing and so if you start raising interest rates the amount you have to discount, those, those big payoffs out in the end for becomes bigger and bigger. So that when interest rates go up, the, a value stock, uh, I'm trying to think what would be a good value stock, but uh, um, is not going to be hurt nearly as much as a growth stock. And that's, what you, uh, and that's what you're seeing. In fact, you could argue one thing, Matt, is the reason growth stocks have done so well over the last 10 years is because interest mm-hmm. rates have been near zero. And that's really kind of the story between value and growth. The most interesting thing in the market right now, Matt, is, um, is, this, is this fact, is that since the election, now I don't know if it has anything to do with the election, but it just seems to be that, that point, all of a sudden, small cap companies, meat and potato small cap companies have outperformed the market by, by two times, and they've lagged the market for 10 years, and one of the feelings is, is that the Biden administration is gonna do more for smaller businesses. And I mean, it's, kind, it's pretty phenomenal. We have a, the students have, their research goes into a mutual fund called the, um, the Road, uh, the, the Hancock Birkenroad Fund. It's H-H-B-U-X. And it has lagged and lagged and lagged for the last five years. And all of a sudden, that beginning of November, everything changed. It was like we wow. were writing reports on companies that nobody cared about. It was it was sort of like we were just playing by ourselves. Didn't really matter. Great <laughs> stories. It's like, uh, is it a large tech? No. Oh, thanks for coming. You know, it's – um, it's, <laughs> and that's finally – the switch went off, and uh, I think that's a big story going forward.
0: Very cool. Well, thanks so much, Peter. I think that's all we have time for this week. Um I think we learned a lot. I think we got a lot more to learn. And I think next week we should look at dividends. I've had some people ask me, what are dividends? How do they work? They want an explanation. So I think next week we hit on that. What do you think?
1: I think it's great. You know, JP Morgan once the, he asked him, what what do you enjoy doing? And he really didn't have any hobbies really for the most part. He said, I like to, I like to just sit down and watch my dividends coming in. And I thought (laughs) (laughs) that might be what
0: we should all strive for. Sounds perfect. Thank you again for your time and uh, thank everybody at home for listening.